Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Yes, it is, and welcome back. 602-508-0960 is the number. I was listening to Dennis Prager the other day saying, if I had the choice to watch the impeachment trial in full or the Food Network, I would choose the impeachment trial because I am so, I think his words were, unmotivated by or uninterested in food. And I've heard him say that before. I've heard him say, make various claims on that before. He's just not a foodie as they go. Yet, I've also heard him say that he enjoys restaurants more than most. And if given the choice, will eat out rather than eat in. It's something he likes to do. I can't square those things. Maybe you can. Or someone can call him and ask him. It's probably not a good idea for me to call him and ask him just because hosts shouldn't call hosts. But Bill, I, I, you think on that. I'm going to go to Sam in, in Scottsdale on a more pressing issue, but I'm curious. That just had me thinking. You think on that and tell me what you come up with. Sam in Scottsdale. Hi, Sam. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for the welcome, Seth. I uh, want to touch base with you on something I heard today about uh, Biden, China, Germany, and France. And... Uh, you know, when I first heard Biden talk about having a coordinated worldwide response to China, uh, he's, he's not going to stand alone. He wants you know, to act, you know, with the world as one. I knew that would be an excuse to do nothing. And um, so the last day or two, Joe Biden's had a little bit of tough talk with China. And all of a sudden, Germany says we're not interested, you know, in some kind of a block against China. And France echoes that. And I'm telling you, Seth, my spidey senses were tingling. And uh, they had this all coordinated before you know, any of this stuff came out. Tell, tell, uh, Sam, tell me what you mean by the spider senses tingling. Well, Joe Biden is in China's pocket. But he's got to talk tough. I mean, you know, he's got to talk tough. He has to you know, present some kind of a face. So he said, listen, when I deal with China, I am not going to be, you know, we're not going to have a standalone presentation we are, it's going to be a worldwide effort you know i got to have you know coordination with the world leaders and that's the way i'm going to go i'm not going to go lone wolf and uh and so the last few days has been a little bit tough talk with him from china but when he you know approached you know two of our allies germany and france germany and france poo-pooed it and said no no we don't want to uh, develop a coordinated effort against china we're not going to do that we think it's unproductive and so on and so forth. And I'm telling you, all of a sudden, I knew that France and uh, Germany and Joe Biden orchestrated this little show weeks ago so that he could make his little presentation of being about tough with China. But he'll say, you know, I tried, I really tried to get the allies to uh, come with me on this, and they just shot me down. So I guess I'm just going to have to deal with China the best I can. Yes, and you're right. That's what I thought. Yeah. My spidey senses, they were saying, don't, you know, I mean, this, I, I almost, when I read it, 
I'm going, you know, I almost felt insulted. Right. Like, are you really, you know, asking me to believe that what you're telling us just happened with Germany and France and Joe Biden? Right. Uh, just happened to work out that way? No way. You know. There's, so, there's so, no so he sets up President Biden or Joe Biden sets up a straw man that he knows won't um, won't stand. Right. I'll act against China if, but he knows the condition of if won't come about, which gives him the out. That's your point, right? Absolutely. So he says, and it's this fascination that the U.S. can't do things alone. Why the hell we need Germany or France or any other country in the world? Pick pick it. I don't care which one it is. To engage in trade and humanitarian rights policies with China that affect Americans and American interests – is um, redolent to me of uh, the 2004 presidential debate between Bush and Kerry when Kerry says, I will subject America to an international test. Do you remember that moment? And Bush says, international test? What's that? Why do we need an international test to subject ourselves to? Germany and France should be saying, we'll act when the United States acts. We'll act where the United States is. You know, it's enough of this leading behind, from behind Obama-Biden nonsense that we only act if other countries that are irrelevant to our well-being will join us. Um, it, so you're right, Sam. It's an excuse. Now, you may recall there was a lot of video on this in, a year ago of, of Joe Biden talking about conservative worries about China were overblown. China is going to our, China is not going to eat our lunch. Remember him saying that? He said exactly uh-huh. the opposite. If we don't get moving, they're going to eat our lunch yesterday, um, which is redolent of what Obama said to Mitt Romney in 2012 about the 1980s wanting its foreign policy back vis-a-vis Mitt Romney's concerns about Russia. Do you remember that cold one? The Democrats are 10 years behind every single foreign policy problem, or at least Biden and Obama types are 10 years behind. And the idea that, um, that, uh, that, that we need anyone to aid us in our trade policy with country X, Y, or Z that isn't country X, Y, or Z, you're right, Sam. Call it what it is. It's a surrender. It's a surrender. That's the word well, for it. I think it. it's also a deal. I think you know, Biden took the money. Uh, China's got him. But he has to put on a show. This is all a show. And, and – and we're seeing this more and more from Biden. What comes out of his mouth? It's all hyperbole. It's all an act. Uh, you know, I'll say this to, to uh, you know, pacify this group, and I'll say that to pacify this group. But what's really going on, that's going you know, to be the main theme of this four years, is not what Biden says, but what the heck is going on behind the scenes. And I think the China deal, was that cake was baked. Uh, he knows he can't stand up to China because China's got him. And uh, so he, you know, as I said, he made the phone call to uh, Macron and to Merkel and said, guys, look, we need to, uh, I need to make a great show of strength to the American people to show them that I'll be tough on China. But don't you worry. I'm going to fold like a, you know, like a deck of cards. Uh, But I have to, I have to present some. You know, there are other ways to make that call too, Sam, even as, even more diplomatically. You can make a call saying something along the lines of, um, you know, there's a great, Great, great pressure for us to work together on China. I just wanted to get a read of the room here as to how hard you want to go and 
we'll look at our options and then diplomatic speak, diplomatic speak, diplomatic speak. Right, Sam? I mean, which well, I, which I is effectively one, effectively but, what you said, but just saying it in a in in in, in a way that saves his um, saves his bacon for the day. I look. I think I think um, the degree to which this country, America, survives as the singular most important leading power in the world or not, and the degree to which simultaneously um, other countries succumb to leftist communism is the degree to which we are willing to stand up to China. I think I think China's the whole ball game. I really do. But I think, yeah, see, I think ours, Biden's already caved to China because China's holding the cards. China has all the details on Hunter and Joe and the money and where it went and who got paid, and Joe knows it. So all he's doing is putting up a, you know, a little brave face, a facade, and at the end of the day, uh, when it comes to standing up to China, I guarantee you he won't do a thing. China will get their way. China will move throughout the Southeast Asia, and Joe Biden will simply say, you know, I really tried to get the world behind us, but ah, gosh darn Golly gee whiz, I just couldn't do it. So, uh, you know, what can I do? You know, China's going to have to do what they do. Tonight when I go home, Sam, when I go home, my research project tonight, it won't take me very long. I just can't do it during the show. I'm going to look at how many stories the press printed and and the televised media aired on Donald Trump Jr. in the first month of the Trump presidency. And how many stories there have been about Hunter Biden? I'm going to guess the ratio to be about 100 to zero. <laughs> no, really, Absolutely. honestly, honestly, right. Donald right. Trump You're Jr. Right. had one meeting for 15 minutes with a, um, a, a Russian attorney whom he walked out of the meeting with because he realized it was something about adoption policy and not anything having to do with anything. He just left the meeting after 15 minutes and it became part and parcel of an entire narrative that the Russians colluded with the Trumps in winning the 2016 election. Do you remember how many stories there were about this? It was called the Trump Tower meeting. Do you remember how many stories there were? I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do the research tonight. Many, Hunt, many, many. Right. Many, many, many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I hundreds, think maybe thousands. About Hunter Biden, we have heard zero, zero, zero. I think uh, devious and uh, gaslighting is going to be Biden's policy for the next four years. Hey, Sam, what's your fastest mile? 422. I love it, man. I love it, baby. That's it. That's my guy. That's my guy. I think you said good enough for Arizona, not good enough for the country. Is that what you said? Uh, What, are you talking about the time? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was good enough. Yes, you are. I got to run. Godspeed. I love you. Call back soon. A previous caller, Sam, ran a mile in 422, which means he could have run two miles in the course of our call together, if I'm not mistaken. That's that's something to think about. 602-508-0960. Bill, did you have a chance to cogitate on my Dennis Prager conundrum? I will act as Dennis's court-appointed attorney here. His guardian ad litem? Sure. 
fits good on that. Okay, so Dennis Prager says he's unmotivated by food. It doesn't interest him whatsoever, but he eats out almost as exclusively as he can. And I can't understand that. And I'm hoping a caller who, or a listener who listens to his show and mine might call him and ask him about it. But you're as much of a Prager fan as I am. So you had a thought on this or have a thought? I will submit that it's because he enjoys the camaraderie and experience of it all, the ambiance, the fellowship. The gamutlakite. There you go. We had a word for that. The gamutlakite. Dennis Prager enjoys gamutlakite. I want someone to call his show tomorrow and say, Seth Leibson is on to you. You enjoy gamutlakite. We'll see if that happens. This is important in the impeachment trial, folks. Um... It's uncomfortable, but it's important. I'm reading from Andy McCarthy today. In its article of impeachment, the Democratic-controlled House alleged that former President Donald Trump, by his incitement of insurrection, was responsible for murder. That is an essential rationale for impeaching Donald Trump. It is the most serious accusation that has been leveled. The impeachment article states that, incited by Trump to storm the Capitol and fight like hell, Trump supporters, quote, injured and killed law enforcement personnel, close quote, among other heinous acts. You can read it. It's in the article of impeachment. The accusation about killing law enforcement personnel refers, of course, to Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick, who was pronounced dead on the night of January 7th, 24 hours after the siege on the Capitol had ended. Adding to the serious but vague accusation in the impeachment article, the Democratic House impeachment managers, who are the prosecutors in the Senate trial, elaborated in their publicly filed pre-trial memo, quote, the insurrectionists killed a Capitol Police officer by striking him in the head with a fire extinguisher. Close quote. It is noteworthy that the Democrats' pretrial memo was filed on February 2, nearly four weeks after Officer Sicknick's death. Yet during those four weeks, significant questions about the impeachment manager's murder allegation have arisen. It has been a bedrock principle of American due process for over half a century that if prosecutors are aware of evidence that would tend to show an allegation they made is false, inaccurate, or at least incapable of being proved, they have an obligation to disclose that fact to the accused. So what is the Democrats' proof that the Trump supporters murdered Officer Sicknick by bashing him over the head with a fire extinguisher? This is the officer who laid in state. Obviously, ethical and competent prosecutors would never make an allegation of murder in the absence of an investigation. House managers presenting an impeachment case against a former president of the United States have investigative staff cooperation of law enforcement agencies and access to witnesses reports including autopsy reports if they were not confident about their allegation that sicknick was brutally killed it would have been utterly irresponsible and potentially slanderous to make it despite having all that time and resource to conduct their investigation the house managers cite in their february 2nd brief one single piece 
of evidence that he was killed by a protester with a fire extinguisher. Do you know what that one single piece of evidence is? A New York Times article titled Capitol Police Officer Dies from Injuries in Pro-Trump Rampage that was published one month before in January, the day after Officer Sicknick was pronounced dead. Their one piece of proof is a New York Times article. Many reports and commentators relied on the Times reporting and describing the gravity of that day. But it must be acknowledged that this reporting suggested that the details of Sicknick's death and what led up to it were murky at best. As is too often the case, the newspaper of record depended on anonymous sources for the weightiest of its allegations. Reading from the New York Times. The circumstances surrounding Mr. Sicknick's death were not immediately clear, and the Capitol Police said only that he had passed away due to injuries sustained while on duty. At some point in the chaos, with the mob rampaging through the halls of Congress while lawmakers were forced to hide under their desks, he was struck with a fire extinguisher, according to two law enforcement officials. Unnamed. As Tucker Carlson points out, relying in part on a report from the website Revolver, the story about Sicknick's death has now changed several times. When the officer died, the Times also published a story entitled, quote, he dreamed of being a police officer, then was killed by a pro-Trump mob, close quote. This account further emphasized what the Times framed as the murderous behavior of Trump-supporting rioters toward Officer Sicknick. If there is evidentiary support for the story that he was killed by a Trump supporter or by a finger fire extinguisher, it has not been made public, even though the allegation has been formally publicly charged in an impeachment case. Numerous people have been arrested, interrogated at length, and charged in connection with the riot, as you know. No one, zero people, have been charged with killing Officer Sicknick. Zero. More to the point, unidentified law enforcement officials told CNN of findings by medical examiners that Sicknick's remains bore no signs of blunt force trauma and that the fire extinguisher account was not true. CNN says it's not true. There is video from the day of the siege of an incident in which a rioter hurled a fire extinguisher at security personnel. There is no claim, however, that Sicknick was one of those personnel or that the fire extinguisher struck anyone. It appears certain that Sicknick was not rushed to the hospital directly from the Capitol. Several reports indicate that he returned to his office after the riot. And hours after the siege ended, get this. Hours after the siege ended, he texted his brother to say he had been pepper sprayed but was otherwise in good shape. There's more about this. The farcical impeachment against Donald Trump. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, parts of which are brought to you by Balance of Nature. Such a great product. I take it every single day. It has kept me up and Adam for over a year now. A lot of international travel, obviously, a lot of health problems going around. And I have uh, been in fine fettle, thank God, to... Uh, to a balance of nature. Tens of thousands of vital nutrients, all natural vine-ripened fruits and veggies picked at their peak of ripeness, reduced into vegetarian capsules using their unique cold press process that gives you yields. Ten servings of fruits and vegetables, potent, powerful stuff from apples and cherry and blueberries to garlic and celery and white wheatgrass and spinach, kale. I think it's the most effective whole food supplement on the market. My friends and family who have taken it on my suggestion do, too. And they have a great deal. Free shipping and 35% off any new order, any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. The preferred orders are great because it guarantees whole wholesale pricing. You can get a free personal health coach if you want free. Go to balanceofnature.com. Balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Let me, uh, before I go to your calls, let me finish this uh, Andy McCarthy piece on Brian Sicknick because Donald Trump is accused of murder in the impeachment article against him for the death of Brian Sicknick. And we have no evidence other than one unsourced New York Times article that he was killed by rioters. None. Zero. Null set. Andy writes, it appears certain that Sicknick was not rushed to the hospital directly from the Capitol. Several reports indicate that he returned to his office afterwards. After the siege, hours after the siege, he texted his brother. Do you text someone hours after being hit in the head with a fire hydrant that kills you? He texted his brother to say he had been pepper sprayed, but was otherwise in good shape. Tucker Carlson has reported that according to the head of the Capitol Police Union, Sicknick died of a stroke. That's consistent with another report regarding what the Sicknick family was told about how the officer died. Like the first New York Times report claiming a lethal assault with a fire extinguisher, a KHOU report out of Texas was published on January 8th, the day after Sicknick died. Plainly then, weeks before filing their brief, during which they were conducting their investigation and preparing for trial, the Democratic House impeachment managers knew there was conflicting reporting about the circumstances that led to Officer Sicknick's death. They knew it. They had to. It was in the public record. Having had all that time to sort out the facts, and remember, House impeachment managers opened the Democrats' presentation on Tuesday by stressing that their case is all about facts, the managers chose to allege in their brief that after being incited by the former president, Trump supporters killed Sicknick, quote, by striking him in the head with a fire extinguisher, close quote. What is the evidence? What is the evidence? There is none. There is none. Clearly, if Officer Sicknick died because of something the rioters did, that is a serious matter. If that happened, people should be held accountable. Again, no arrests have been made. None. So if it didn't happen the way the House Democratic impeachment managers have represented, we should be told that and be told why such an inflammatory accusation was made and repeated over and over again. Disgusting behavior. 
disgusting. Dave is in surprise. Hi, Dave. Oh, good afternoon, teacher. Thanks for taking the call. Oh, it's good to hear your voice. How are you? I'm very blessed. I haven't worked since April. I got a job offer today, so... Congratulations, Dave! Congratulations, <laughs> that's wonderful. Really, yeah, congratulations. I'm very blessed. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. You closed the last segment before the before the commercial with a description of the farcical impeachment. I think that's perfect. Um, I, I've said for years, unfortunately, that the whole thing against Trump was really not against Trump. It's against our institutions. Hold and the I thought, Dave. That, Dave, hold the thought. Yeah, hold the thought. Wait, I got to take a quick break. We'll make. We'll have you uh, fill it out on the other side. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Delighted to have Dave from Surprise uh, on uh, with us. Uh, Dave, thanks for calling. And by the way. Dave, let me uh, make a point about uh, your new job. Congrats again on it, your new job offer. I have long believed um, that friends uh, and friendships, you know, we often use our friends and the point of friendship is to share um, hard times, sad times, that friends are always there with you in those things. But I think we have an equal obligation to share good news with them too. And uh, so, Dave, I thank you for doing that with me in the audience. That is great news. Really happy to hear about it. Well, you've been an absolute blessing, so thank thank you for recognizing. You bet. I appreciate it. You bet. Um, I I would probably generally caveat my my comment by saying it's esoteric, but I don't think it is for for our audience. It's just not um, the the whole thing against Trump, and for one reason, I think my humble opinion, and it's to devalue and eliminate all of our institutions. So the farcical impeachment, there were two of them now, were to do nothing more than delegitimize our organization, our, our institution, and our constitution, because I think established politicians, not just Democrats, would be happy to destroy our way of life and turn us all into serfs. I don't think we disagree. I have um, been making the point that to claim or state or indict Donald Trump for what he said on January 6th as incitement to riot is to eviscerate, eliminate any notion of constitutional, constitutionally protected conservative speech. What Donald Trump said on January 6th, and I've read the entire transcript several times, is so far below any legal standard of incitement that there have been greater claims and issuances and threats and importunations and catalysts to violence that the courts have not claimed incitement. Indeed, the landmark case that defines illegal inciting speech is a 1969 case about a neo-Nazi who literally tells people to go march on the Capitol and to kill Jews. And they didn't find that 
to be incitement. Donald Trump is so far below anything that was said last summer that it is a joke to even use the word incitement to riot here. It is a joke to call what happened on January 6th an insurrection. But when you combine the notion that Donald Trump stating his beliefs that the election was stolen or fraudulent with him telling people to march on the Capitol peacefully and make that an impeachable offense, you are saying that there is no opinion that a conservative can have that is protected speech. You are saying that to even speculate on the legitimacy of an election is illegal or impeachable conduct. While the Democrats have been doing it for four years about his election, why Stacey Abrams has been doing it about her election. It is such a farce, Dave, that you better believe this is another step towards silencing conservative speech. You better believe it. And I don't think the Democrats have any shame, nor do they have any doubt as to what they are doing. But when they are doing this, when they are taking, you know, a mob of political anarchists and misfits that included leftists who had planned this ahead of time before Donald Trump spoke and started it before started the riots before he finished speaking and saying he catalyzed them you're not just playing with the first amendment you're playing with common sense which is the first thing to be violated by any tyranny i am i i think this is really serious i think this is really serious business and I've heard people I really like say, you know, Republican senators shouldn't even sit down for this. They shouldn't even, you know, attend the impeachment hearings. I got to tell you, I'm inclined to agree. It is a mockery of impeachment and a mockery of the Constitution and an assault on the First Amendment. And if it goes through, it will be perhaps the greatest assault on the First Amendment in the history of this country, far worse, far worse than anything anyone ever said about Joe McCarthy. That's my view, Dave. I think, I think this is a monumentally dangerous precedent that Democrats are engaging in. I really do. And I don't have words strong enough for it. I agree with you, Seth. My, my concern is this. I, we, we, the conservatives, have allowed the drip, drip, drip of progressivism Correct. to take away the liberties Correct. one piece at a time. Correct. We're, we're left with almost nothing now, I think. And unfortunately, there's so many establishment Republicans that go along just to pacify the masses. You know, I'm open to how many there are. I don't know. I don't know. I agree with the first part, and I'm open. I agree to the first part, 
that we've seceded so much that we have ceded so much by the drip drip. I don't know how much of the establishment is there. A substantial amount and number. I don't know if it's the majority. Let me combine that into a closing thought, Dave. Thank you. Again, congratulations. Dave asks if the uh, bulk of the Republican Party is establishment or conservative. And I don't know the answer to it, but I know that we have never had a better bench or more conservatives. Think about elected officials. You'll all name more. You've heard me say them before. Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton, Andy Biggs, Dan Crenshaw, Jim Jordan, Debbie Lesko, Ron DeSantis, Christy Noem. That's just a few people elected. Now think of Dan Bongino and Katie Pavlich and Dana Loach, John Kennedy elected, Sarah Huckabee soon to be elected, Trish Reagan, Dagan McDowell, Greg Gutfeld, Jesse Waters, Herschel Walker, Burgess Owens elected, Molly Hemingway, Kaylee McEnany, she has a future, Dinesh D'Souza, Pam Bondi, Larry Elder, Seb Gorka, everyone on this station, I should, Mike Gallagher, of course, God knows, Dennis Prager, Mark Levin, Kim Klasick, Trey Gowdy. We have, I mean, I almost hate to run the list, Mark Stein. I, I almost hate to run the list because I'm going to leave out so many. But the conservative movement has never had this much power. Never had this much power. Elected and unelected. In the commentariat as well as in the legislative and gubernatorial offices around the country. Power comes with responsibility, however. And right now, with all that power, you know what the biggest responsibility is? Using it. Using it. It's been a great day, folks. Hope it's a great night. Until tomorrow, God bless you. Class dismissed.